me now? It's our reasonable service to present our bodies as a living sacrifice because of what he sent his son to do, right? His reasonable service. This, this God that created us, he created all of all the universe, all the world for us to live in, and then we messed it up. So he sent his son to pay the price again that we could be reconciled back to him again. And this is our reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. So God wants us to have a renewed mind. God wants us not to look like what the world looks like. He wants us to look like something different. He doesn't want us compromising. Amen? Amen. God ate my lunch on this this week. He doesn't want any compromise out of us. He wants us to do what his word says. He wants us to have a relationship with him. Now, this list of things that I'm giving you that God's will is today, his, his perfect will, it's not a complete list by any means. It's not exhaustive, right? I'm just giving you some that he gave me this week to give to you. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's where I got my title at. We may prove that. In the Bible dictionary, that word prove means to test, literally or figuratively by implication, to approve, allow, discern. To discern. Amen? To discern what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How do you discern it? We'll go back to see what it says. He says, sacrifice your flesh. Renew your mind. Stop thinking like you used to think when you lived in the world and you did the things the world did. Stop thinking that way. That you may prove or you may discern what is the, what is the will of God, right? What's the will of God for my life? I don't know. Let me go discern it. But first got to lay my flesh down. First got to begin to think different. I'm not going to discern what God wants to do if I'm still thinking like the world and I'm still acting in the things that they're acting in. Amen? When the mind is renewed, we know his ways. When my mind's renewed to his word, to the relationship with him, I begin to know his ways. When you know someone's ways, you know how they would do something in, in, a, in a situation that you get in. Amen. Somebody that you spend a lot of time with, you begin to learn their ways. You begin to learn how they think, how they respond to things. Amen. I'm talking about the perfect will of God still. We can know him through the renewing of our minds, he's saying here then. John 3.16, talk about the renewing of the mind still. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in, in, in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He wants us to be saved. That's his will. His perfect will is for us to be reconciled. Each and every one of us, he wants to be reconciled back to him. Right? So God wants us to forgive. Wouldn't you say that's the will of God for, 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 for us to be forgiven? He also wants us to forgive. He wants us to forgive others. He wants us to forgive ourselves. Yes. Amen. You can't, you can't go around and God's forgiving you. You keep kicking up what God forgave you of and you keep beating yourself up with it. And the devil's helping and he's taking it and beating on you with it too. And the people around you, when you're beating yourself up about it, they'll jump on the bandwagon and they'll beat you up too. Amen. God wants you to forgive yourself today. That's his will. It's his will for you to be forgiven. You think he doesn't want you to? He sent his son to die the most painful, horrific death that man could dream up so that you could be forgiven. Why would he want you to take and charge yourself with that again? Why would he want you to hang out with people who are going to charge you with it? Think about it. Think about it. God's perfect will, right? Matthew 12, 22 through 28. A lot of scripture today, but it's good because it's God's word, right? And I want you to see what God's will is for your life, for my life, for our local church, amen, for this world. It's ultimately for the world, right? We should be, we should be uh, uh, affecting them, not them affecting us. 22 says, Then one was brought to him, Jesus, who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him. Notice he healed him. He didn't make him sick. He healed him 
so that the blind and mute both spoke and saw, healed him completely. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, could, amazed and said, could this be the son of David? Because, you know, Jesus came from the lineage of David. That's what, he's, that's what they're referring to there, for those of you who don't know. Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub. They were saying he cast out demons by a false god, right? And so Jesus knows what they're thinking about. He knows what they're talking about. The ruler of the demons, but 25 says, but Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought into desolation. It's hard to win an argument when somebody knows what you're thinking. <laughs> I'd say next to impossible. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided <coughs> against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. That's what the word of God says. We thought our founding fathers came up with that, right? But it was the word of God they took it from. 26 says, if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. Now, Satan does not oppose himself. Just like God does not oppose himself, right? He does not make a person sick and then heal them. Satan doesn't do that. Satan doesn't possess a person with an evil spirit and then cast himself out. That just simply wouldn't work very well. Amen? Just like Jesus doesn't, or God doesn't make people sick, and then so he can heal them. He, he doesn't possess people with foul spirits. That, that would go against who he is. Amen? It, it talked about discerning his perfect will. His perfect will is for everybody to be healed. His perfect will is for everyone to be saved, everyone to be in fellowship with him. Now, if you wanted someone to be in fellowship with him and you loved them enough to send your, 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 your only child to die for him, would you want to make that person sick? That doesn't even make sense. But that's been taught to some of the church. Amen? If it's God's will, he can be healed. Well, the Bible says God's no respecter of persons. So if he'll, he'll, if he'll heal one, then he's got to heal the next one. Amen? Because if he would heal me and then not heal you, that would make him a respecter of persons. That would make him a liar. And God is not a liar. So we know he's no respecter of persons, right? He... he, he he doesn't make people sick. So I'm talking about the will of God. It's not the will of God for you to be sick. It's not the will of God for anybody to be sick. Right? We don't have to beg God to be healed. Jesus already paid the price for it. The Bible says by his stripes, you were healed. Amen. Jesus paid the price. We have to believe in those things. We have to use our authority. Amen? Amen. Talk to God about it. But it already belongs to us. We just got to take possession of it. Amen? Amen. How then... Will his kingdom stand if Satan, if Satan opposed himself? And if I cast out, can you imagine if there was a, if there was a, a, a king and he was the rule over, ruler over a nation, but his army, his army was fighting his navy? Think about that. It would greatly weaken that nation, right? Anyway, 27 says, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall... They shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you, right? So he was saying he was casting out the demons by, the name, by, 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 by God, the power that, that God possessed. So it's God's will to heal. It's God's will to deliver on over, over 3,300 promises that he's, that he's wrote in his Bible, that he's had wrote, wrote in his book, written into his word, right? We don't have to beg God. We don't have to negotiate with God. 
Lord, if you'll heal, if you'll hear, if you'll heal Sister Doodad, you can make me sick. Does, that doesn't make any kind of sense, does it? Knowing what we know about the scripture, we don't have to beg God. We don't have to negotiate with God. Jesus paid the price once and for all. I'm still talking about the will of God. This is the will of God for you to be healed, for me to be healed. It's the will of God for us to be prosperous, right? It's the will of God for us to be saved, we've already talked about. Jesus paid one price once and for all for salvation, to be reconciled back to God, to be able to go boldly to the throne room of God. You know we can go to the throne, we can talk to God. They couldn't do that in the Old Testament until Jesus came and paid the price, right? He paid the same price, paid for health. Amen. It, pray, it paid for him to take the authority back from the Satan, and, and he took that authority and he gave it back to, to, to Christians. He paid that same price, right? He paid that same price to cover our peace. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you. I leave with you my peace, right? He, he paid that same price to cover our joy, to cover our victory. You know, the Satan is defeated, and we're victorious. Amen. But he wants to come and tell us all these lies. Well, it's not God's will for you to live a blessed life. It's not God's will for you to be healed. You can't. It doesn't matter what the pastor said. You can't do that. God won't do that for you. Sound like some lies you've been told before? Think about it. Think about it. That's why I'm showing you the word today. It's not just what the pastor said. It's what the word of God says. It's what the word of God says, right? Not one time in scripture, I dare you, I dare you to find it and show me. There's not one time in scripture that Jesus or his disciples made someone sick. It's not in there. Not in there anywhere. Anytime that they gave lack, they caused lack on anybody. Not there. Amen. Did you read in there any place they made someone depressed? Wasn't there. It's not there. So why would it be today? Think about that. Think about that. It's not God's will for us to live that way. It's not God's will for us to have to deal with that. He gave you authority over, over those things. Everything with a name, it says in Ephesians chapter 1. You have authority over everything with a name. We can tap into the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. If we just get a hold of that. If we just realize what God's will is for us today. To see God's will, we really need to look no further than the garden. When he made the garden, he came in, he spoke all the, the earth, he spoke the water, the, the dry ground, he spoke the animals, and then he made a man, and he made, he made a woe man to go with the man. Amen? And then what did he do? He had fellowship with them. He did that so they were provided for. They had everything that they ever would have needed right there in that garden. It was a beautiful place. Eternal life he had given to them right off the bat. Amen? All those things, that's what God's intentions were. That's what God's will is. Now, man messed it up. Man messed it all up. Sin entered the picture and perverted a lot of things, perverted everything, everything but God's will. God's will is still the same. That's why he sent, had to send his son, right? There was fellowship in the garden. There was a relationship in the garden. Church, that's still God's will today. He still wants to have fellowship. He still wants to have that relationship. Sin is what changed it, not God. God didn't change. God hasn't changed at all. Amen? His word says he'll never change. Sin changed everything. Through sin, sickness entered the picture. Through sin, disease entered the picture. Cancer entered the picture. Depression. Any kind of mental illness you could put a name, any kind of physical illness you could put a name on, entered the picture, right? Poverty entered the picture. Lack entered the picture through sin. Adam and Eve, they, they didn't lack anything. They had everything they needed right there in the garden. Amen. Fear 
entered the picture through sin. They weren't fearful till after they sinned. Then they started looking at themselves thinking, oh, oh something's wrong here. Amen. There was no lack. There was no fear, right? They entered the picture through sin. Psalms 112, 1 through 9 says this. How blessed is the one who obeys the Lord, who takes great delight in keeping his commands. How blessed is the one who takes great delight in keeping his commands. So, so many blessings are available then. We've, we've, we've talked repeatedly over there being 33, over 3,300 promises in the Bible. Many blessings are available to you as a believer, right? Many. <clears throat> Honor, prosperity, security, freedom from fear. If we fear him and delight in obeying his commands. Now you have to delight in obeying his commands. That's where we get hung up at so many times. None of us are living completely in this. Three of us agree. None of y'all living completely in this, including myself. Nobody is. Right? Because we don't delight in keeping those commands, right? We don't delight in his perfect will. If we fear him and delight and obey his commands, if you expect God's blessing, you have to revere him and gladly obey him. Amen? We get hung up right here a lot of times. Verse 2 says, so verse 1 says what we got to do, and verse 2 through 9 tells us everything is coming to us if we do. That's how I know we don't. Because God's word's infallible. Amen? So verse 1 says, How blessed is the one who obeys the Lord, who takes great delight in keeping his commands. How blessed is that person? Then 2 talks about all the rest of it, all the things you got coming to you when you, when you when you delight in keeping his commands. And I don't see these things in the fullness in my life or have I ever met anybody else who has. So i gotta, I got to believe that we're missing it somewhere. Amen? Let's read the rest of it. His, his descendants will be powerful on the earth. The godly will be blessed. This word godly right here, in one of the translator's notes that I found, says it's a class of people. So these people who are, who are gladly, they're excited about obeying God's commands, they're a whole class of people that these things are coming to, right? His house contains wealth and riches. His, his integrity to do, endures. You know what your integrity is? It's, it's, it's that doing well when nobody's looking. Amen. It's just how you it's just how you how you operate in your everyday life. It doesn't matter. It's not it, it's your church etiquette on Tuesday. Amen. It's what we take outside of here. Your 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 dignity, right? Or your your uh, integrity, I mean to say. I'm sorry. Thank you whoever said that. 4 says in the darkness light shines for the godly. This word light in the translator's note says, in this context, light symbolizes divine blessing in various forms, including material prosperity and, and stability, right? So these things just shine forth in the darkness. When it looks bad in the darkness, you still got this coming forward for you. It's just following you around because we're obeying him and we're glad to obey him. And not only glad to obey him, but we're excited to obey him, right? I'm still talking about the perfect will of God. Are you following me? It's God's perfect will for us to be zealous to obey him. I can't wait till he corrects me again. Y'all laughing now. Isn't that what it's saying right here? I can't wait till he corrects me again. Five says, it goes well for the one who, who generously lends money and conducts his business honestly. And to go with five, generosity can cure two problems that, that having money can create. A rich person may abuse others 
in desire to accumulate more wealth. We've all seen that, right? Generosity will eliminate that because if you'll give it away, you don't have to abuse somebody else to take theirs. Amen? Generosity will also uh, uh, cure the fear of losing what you have, losing that money, because when, when, you're, when, you're, when you're truly generous, you don't have to worry about that. It, it, when, when you share God's blessing with others, when the blessing flows through you, it's got to come to you. Does that make sense to you? So when God's blessing me from on high, he blesses me, and then I share it with others, more blessings coming to me. But if I will just hang on to what I have and just hopes of just keeping this little bit that I can hold in my hands, well, that's all you're going to get. That's all you're going to have. So generosity cures those two problems. Six says, for he will never be shaken. Others will always remember who, one who is just. Seven says, he does not fear the bad news. He is confident. He trusts in the Lord. Eight says, he, his resolve is firm. He will not succumb to fear. Right? We don't have to worry about fear when, we, when, we're, when we're faithful and obedient to God. His resolve is firm. He will not succumb to fear before he looks in triumph on his enemies. That word means, some translations use that word heart right there. When, when we trust God completely to take care of us, the fear will subside. I, I learned something from one of the ladies in church this week. She was dependent on God for something. And, and it seems simple when you can look at somebody else struggling in it. But when it's myself struggling in it, 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 can, be, it can be overwhelming. Amen? He told us to speak to the mountain. But when you can see somebody else struggling with it, and they're worried about what they're going to do and what they're going to do, and then God comes through and he delivers right on time. And you can easily say, well, they never had to fear because God delivered right on time. He was right there. I can see that in somebody else's test. They're struggling with fear, anxiety, worried about what they're going to do. Deadlines are coming, uh, closing in on them. You ever been there? Amen. And we worry and we struggle and we stress. But when we can back up and look from, some, from another perspective and we can say, oh, well, all they had to do was believe in God. And that sounds so elementary. But there's so much truth there. If we'll just believe in God for whatever it is today and be obedient to him, live, live up just what his will is for us to be, what his will is for us to do, just live in that right there and completely trust in him, all that fear will subside. Even fear of death. Death has no victory over Christ. Amen. 9 says he generously gives to the needy. His integrity endures. He will be vindicated and honored. By what? By being obedient to God, right? Just by your obedience. It's God's will for us to delight in his will. Amen? We need to delight in his will. King David, now think about this, the greatest king who ever, who ever uh, uh, was the king over Israel had anything and everything he wanted at his disposal. Amen? He had the best of the land, regardless of what it was. The best of the land. The be better than anybody else had, he had it. He said he would rather be a doorkeeper in the kingdom of God than be the king of Israel. Think about that, delighting in God's will. Do we, light in God's, do we delight in God's plan? Do, do we honor the plan of God? Do we delight in the house of God, the instruction of God, the things of God, the family of God, the man of God? Do we delight in those things? Do we honor those things? Let me tell you this, those who delight are eager. That'll tell you where your delight's at right there. Those who delight 
are eager. If you're eager to get to the house of God, you just might delight in the house of God. If you're eager to get to the ball game, then that's where your delight is. You see what I'm saying? It, do, are, are, are we eager to get to the house of God? Are we eager to serve in the house of God? Are we eager to change our ways when God's word tells us to change our ways? When the spirit tells us to change our ways? If we're not eager to do those things, then our delight's not found there. Those things in verses 2 through 9, we don't possess. You see what I'm saying? Because we don't delight. We're not eager to get into those things. Did you come to the church today looking for God to change your life in some way? Were you eager for that? Did you show up early with your best duds on? You've been praising God all week long so you could come in here and praise him today so the spirit could fall down so that you could be corrected. Because when we're eager to do that, that means we delight in those things. If we just do it and go through the motions, you're not delighting in it. That's where we're lacking at, church. That's why we lack in, 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 in physical things, in, in, in mental things, in, in, in spiritual things. You see what I'm saying? Joshua 1, 8 through 9. I'm still talking about the perfect will of God. I'm not trying to beat you up or get onto you. I just want us to understand what the Word says today. Because when we understand what the Word says, then we can get it right. We can correct it. We can move forward. We want to be a part of this church that, that moves and flows with the Spirit. Here's where it's at. So often we're asking God and we're expecting God to do his part when what about my part? And if we're asking God to do his part and we haven't seen his part show up yet, we got to turn around and look at our part because God's, he's perfect and, and, and his word's infallible. So if we're missing it somewhere, it's got to be in my court. It has to be me that's missing it. It's not God that's missing it. It's us. Amen. So we got to look and we got to, that's why I brought you so much word today. We can dig in the word, we can look. And we can get it corrected so that we can receive. I want to receive of all these things. I want to see this in your life. I want to see this in my life. But we've got to apply the word. James said, be not hearers only, deceiving your own selves, but be doers of the word. Amen. You got to be a doer of the word. Joshua 1, 8 and 9 right here says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. This word of God shall not depart from your mouth, we could say then, right? But you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do. You got to do it. You can't just read about it. You can't just know about it. It can't just be a head nod. You got to do it. You got to live it. To do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your ways prosperous. Who will make your way prosperous? You will. doesn't say God's going to make your way prosperous because he's already paid for it. He already provided it. It's already laid out there in front of you. You will make your way prosperous when you take the word and you apply it to your life. That's what makes us prosperous. Amen? You will make your way prosperous. And, and then you will have good success. You want to be successful? Apply the word of God. You want to be successful? Strive toward his will. Whatever his will is, strive toward that. His, his word shows us his will, shows us at least in part his will. Like I said, this is not an exhaustive list of what God's will is. Amen? There's more to it than this. This is just a piece of it. And then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If we're just taking this word and we're focusing on it and we're applying it and we're speaking it and we're living it and we're doing it, there's no room to be fearful. Fear has to flee from us. Fear is a spirit. Got no place around here, right? 
Matthew 17, 14 through 21. It's a lot of scripture, but it's good, right? 17, 14, you should get these, especially this week, since there's so much scripture, and read over these things all week long. Because there's a lot in here. I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of glossing over the top of it. There's a lot in here, and if you ask the Holy Ghost to teach you about it before you start reading it, he can teach you way more than I can. Amen? There's a lot here to get. Matthew 17, 14 through 21, it says, and, and when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, came to Jesus. Notice that's a capital H. That means it's Jesus. Came to him, kneeling down to him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. Notice this epilepsy. Jesus is about to call it a spirit. How many sicknesses do you think are caused by foul spirits? Who has authority over foul spirits? I do. You do, right? But we got to know we have authority. we got to know what God's will is. We can't be believing, well, if it's God's will to heal this boy with epilepsy, then he can be healed. Because it's God's will for everyone to be healed, right? There's no respect of persons. We're all his children. Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation. He was mad at them. These are the same disciples who had been out and healed two by two. They went out two by two, 70 of them, been out, and they had already healed people. They'd cast out demons. They'd seen all these things. They came back bragging about it. Lord, this stuff really works. We came out, and we did what you told us to do, and we saw people healed. We saw, we saw if you take a picture of me, it's 10 bucks. <laughs> we saw people healed. We saw demons cast out. These things work for us, Lord. But then they came back and they couldn't see this boy with epilepsy because he was casting him down and he was throwing him in the fire and in the water trying to kill him. They got in their minds and looking and seeing what was going on in the natural instead of being in the, in the spiritual, right? Lord, have, where was I at? Answered, oh, faithful and perverse generation, how long shall I bear with you? How long shall I bear with or How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. So he was upset with them. He was, he, he was reprimanding them. Now, I sent you to do this, and you should have built your faith up with that, and you saw these things here happen. Why aren't you doing that here? Now, if some people were supposed to be sick, and some people were not supposed to be sick, and some people were supposed to be possessed, and some people may not supposed to be possessed, why would Jesus be upset with them because they didn't cure this boy? Ask yourself that. That doesn't make any sense, does it? They were all supposed to be healed, or Jesus wouldn't have been upset with them. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Now, I'm not saying everybody six is demon-possessed. That's not what I'm saying. But, but foul spirits can plague us. Amen? They can whisper things in our ears and get us using our authority against themselves. Right? I mean, they could do that. I, I picture the old iron claw. Anybody watch wrestling when he was a kid? That old iron claw, they'd grab him by the head. I can picture a demon doing that to someone, and, and they have a headache. Amen? I mean, they can plague us. They can grab you by the leg and cause you to have a knee problem. They, they can try to put things on us, but we have authority over them. We do. We have power over them. Jesus said we have authority over them. Luke 10, 19, my favorite Bible verse. Says, behold, I give unto you power. I give, I, I give unto you authority. You can smash vipers and scorpions on your feet, and you can walk all over the power of the enemy. And you say, oh, he wasn't talking about demons. The, verse 20 says, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject unto you. He says, the spirits are subject unto you, but rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. He said, you, Jesus Christ himself said, the spirits are subject unto you. 
Amen. This is God's will. God's perfect will I'm still talking about here, right? Where were we at in the scripture? Oh, verse 20. I'll just start there. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, they, they came to him privately and said, why couldn't we cast it out, Jesus? We've done all these other things already. We've seen your power work. And he said, because of your unbelief, because I believe it's because they got in the natural and they saw what was going on. They saw this boy flopping around and they thought, oh boy, this is bigger than the rest of them. Yeah. Amen? Just like it might be on cancer when it's, when it's, you might have the faith to believe God to heal someone from a, from a headache, but then when you hear a report of cancer, going, oh boy, I get scared of that one. Amen? And my faith, my faith struggles a little bit with that. Some, some people might, I'm just painting a picture. Maybe not you. Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain. You notice he's required them to speak. Say to this mountain, move from here to there. You've got to have faith and you've got to have words, right? Faith-filled words and you release this on the, on the issue, whatever it is. That's your currency. You put your currency on it and you leave your currency there. And then you just praise God because you know that he's got it. You're not praising God because of the situation. You're praising God through the situation because I've already released my faith to a words. I'm talking about the will of God still. It's God's will for us to operate just like this is how he operated in the beginning. And he said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. Amen. This is how he operated. This is how he expects us to operate. Are you following me? Talking about God's will. However, this kind does not go out. Oh, hold on. Let me read the verse of 20. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely, I'll get through this verse here in a minute, Sister Donna. <laughs> for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, and you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. He wasn't talking about a pile of rocks when he's talking about a mountain. He was talking about a foul spirit that was living in this boy. Another time when he was talking about a fig tree. He said, say to this mountain. He's talking about anything that looks too big, unsurmountable for you. I don't know how else to handle it. I can't do it in the natural. We're going to go to the supernatural, babe. To the supernatural. This is God's will for us to operate in the supernatural. You know the things that are unseen are more real than the things you can see? Do you realize that? God formed the world out of things that we can't see. Just as words, vibrations out there in the air with, filled with faith, and the Holy Spirit went to work. That's how he expects us to operate, right? 21 says, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Relationship. Relationship. We use fasting to tell this flesh, shut your mouth. I'm not listening to you. You don't rule me. My, my, my spirit man, I'm going to listen to the spirit man. That's what I'm doing when I'm fasting. I don't fast to try to get something from God. I fast to get a hold of God to, to, to be more spiritual. Amen. We can fast to, to get God's attention sometimes. They did it in the Old Testament. But we, we, we typically use fasting to become more spiritual, to shut our flesh down, to listen to my spirit man, to get in tune with him, right? And prayer. It says prayer. What's prayer? Prayer is fellowship with God. I don't come to God and pray and beg him for things. Lord, please do this. Please do that. Please, 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 please. I do, I do come to God and, and tell him what I, you know, tell him my concerns. Lord, I'm worried about this, this, not worried, but dad, I, I need this to happen. Or I want to pray for my pastor. I want to pray for this. And it's good to come to God with those things, but we don't have to beg God. We don't have to beg God. Prayer. I use prayer more for a relationship. Prayer is an ongoing thing for me that I, that, that I talk to God. I try to talk to God most all the time, every day. I mean I, really, I mean, I have a job and I have things that go on, but, but you realize there's lulls in those times, and we can talk to God during that. That's prayer. 
that's prayer, just to have a relationship, to get to know him. Right? He talks to me and I talk to him, right? It's his will for us to operate in authority then. Wouldn't you agree with that after, after reading the scriptures? It's his will, God's perfect will, to operate in authority. To take authority over the enemy. Is that not what Jesus just did here? He took authority and cast him out and rebuked his disciples because they didn't do it themselves. How do you think he feels about you and your authority? He wants us to operate in authority. Jesus paid for it. He paid the price for it. Matthew 18, 18 through 20 says, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever, or, or, I'm sorry, let me start over. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Right? Whatever you bind on earth, God needs us to be involved in this. Whatever you bind on earth and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, right? So God expects us to speak. He expects us to use this authority. 19 says, again, I say to you that if, you, that, that if two of you agree uh, on, on earth concerning anything that you ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Will be done by my Father in heaven so we can join our faith together then, right? If two or more of us are gathered and we agree, it says it will be done. 20 says, for, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. God's perfect will. God's perfect will. You think it's not important to hang out with other Christians? <laughs> Go back and read this again if you think that. Ephesians 4, 11 through 15 says, And he himself gave some, he being Jesus Christ, and Jesus himself gave to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Jesus Christ gave the fivefold ministry to the church. Don't tell me you can be a Christian and stay outside the fivefold ministry. Jesus gave us this for the equipping of the church. I'm talking about God's perfect will. He gave us this place to come to. The church isn't these four walls, this bricks, and, and this carpet in here. The church is you. The church is me. And he put fivefold ministry in the church to equip us for the working of the saints, for the, for the working of the ministry, to further his kingdom. This is his perfect will. It's his perfect will for us to be part of the body then, right? The body of Christ. For the edifying of the body of Christ, it's to lift you up. You're the body of Christ. Who's being edified by being here? Me. I'm being edified. You're being edified. Each and every one of us are being edified by coming together and being part of the body. Amen? That's what he designed it for. So it's God's perfect will for us to be here today. Amen? Till we all come. Now, now, now listen to this. You're being perfected. You're being edified. You're being lifted up. Read verse 13 here with me. Till we all come to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man. We're being perfected. This isn't just for men. This is mankind. Men, women, boy, girls, whatever you are. There's only men or women or boys or girls, by the way. But, but whatever you are of those, we're being perfected. Till they all come to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Wrap your head around that. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We're being perfected to be just like him. We're being edified to be just like him through taking your seat in the church. Not just taking your seat, but taking your role in the church. That's what he's talking about, right? I'm talking about God's perfect will. You can't live in all these other things without the church. doesn't work. You can study your Bible. You can read your Bible. But unless you've got a five-fold ministry at the house, you're in trouble. 
Amen? It's God's perfect will. <clears throat> 14 says that we should no longer be children. Folks, I'm afraid a lot of us are children. A lot of, I'm talking about spiritually. We're spiritual babes still. We might have been here for a lot of years, but we're still spiritual babes. You know how we know? Because you're tossed all over the place. You don't know which way you're supposed to be going. Amen? He says it right here. And that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine. Every time somebody says something new, we want to latch on to it. Amen? Even though it doesn't line up with the Word of God, even though it doesn't line up with the will of God, even though the Holy Ghost ain't in it, don't get quiet on me now. Amen? By the trickery of men, he says, in the cunning of craftiness of deceitful plotting. They're plotting to take the church out. We got to know what this word says, or you might be next. Amen? We got to grow up spiritually, church. Grow up into the will of God. But speaking of truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Christ is the head of the church. We're the body. We got to grow up. That's what he's talking about, growing up into all things, into him, right? We got to learn about him. We got to grow into that. We got to apply it to our lives. We got to be eager for change, eager to serve God. Does it make, am I putting this together where it's understandable? God's perfect will. Sorry about that. God's perfect will. 1 Corinthians 12 and 18 to go along with the last thing I was saying. God set every member in the body as it pleased him. It's his will for you to be here today. It's his will for you to be here. If you're not living in the fullness of his will, the problem is you. Or should I say, since you're not living in the fullness of his will, the problem is you. And I'm not pointing fingers because the problem is me. I guess I can put my name right there. The problem is us. How serious you are, are you about the body of Christ? Just, just, just consider this today. How serious am I, put your name in there, about the body of Christ? How serious am I about my relationship with him? How serious am I about the word of God? Do I read the word of God? Do I care about the word of God outside of church? I see these things on the board and preacher reads them and that's all I need. Am I serious about the word of God? Am I serious about the application of the word of God into my life? Am I serious about being obedient to God? Do I just skim past the parts I don't want to hear? Well, I don't really want to change that. That there's kind of fun. Let's go to the next page. Surely he'll preach on something else next week. Right? How serious are we about it? About obedience. About obedience to God. When God corrects us, are you serious about changing it? Are you zealous? Are you, are you happy to change it? Are you excited to change where God shows you to change? Amen? How obedient are you? How serious are you about renewing your mind? Go back a couple steps. If you're not reading the Word of God, you're not renewing your mind. If you're not getting in the Word of God more than you're getting here in three or four hours a week, you're not renewing your mind. You're not going to be living in a renewed mind. Renewing your mind is going to take what he said to Joshua, meditate on my word day and night. Day and night. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Talk about my word. Talk to other people who want to talk about my word, where you're hearing yourself talk about my word, and you can hear them talk about my word. Don't let it leave your mouth day and night. That's what's going to renew our mind, to, to, to quit thinking like the world thinks and start thinking like God thinks, what his perfect will is, right? God's will, his desire for you. What is his will and his desire for you? 
It's these things for us to have a renewed mind. This is, this, this is not an exhaustive list, but to have a renewed mind, to have a relationship, to get into his word, to be obedient, zealous about all these things, right? Renewing of the mind. This is what he desires for us today. Think about that. Think about what we want from him and what he wants from me. And if I haven't received what I want from him, let me go over here and look at what he wants from me. Amen? Because you don't get one without the other one. Now, you might have some, some fluke sometimes where God will answer your prayer. Maybe fluke's not the right word. But sometimes God will answer a prayer. But that doesn't mean that you're, it's going to happen all the time like that. And, and the more you know, the more you've got to be obedient. The more you've got to apply these things to get God to move. Right? Maybe I shouldn't have said to get God to move. God's already moved. It's already paid for. You follow what I'm saying now? You follow what I'm saying? we got to get involved in his will. We want to see mighty moves in this church? What's his will? His will is to do this. Are we striving to do everything with excellence? As unto the Lord. Are, are, are we doing those things? Are we flowing in the fullness of the Spirit? I mean, think about it. It's not just me that has to flow in the Spirit. You need to flow in the Spirit. We need to flow in the Spirit as the church. We're all in this together. I need you and you need me. We got to flow in this together. Are you obedient to God? What are you doing when you walk out these doors? Right here on Sunday morning, this is probably the best you're ever going to be. Sunday etiquette, right? What do we do in the morning when we go to work? What do you do when you go to the restaurant after church today? Don't get quiet right here, church. We'll spend some time. You see what I'm saying, though, right? We got to live it down all the time. We got to be faithful all the time. We got to live that Sunday etiquette all the time. All the time. People are watching. Most importantly, God's watching. He knows all. We're not hiding a thing from Him. You know, you might act high and mighty when you come into the church and then you go outside and you, and you do whatever it is you do. You ain't hiding a thing from God. He's no fool. Right? He's everywhere all the time. Can you wrap your head? If we just wrap our head around that, it would end sin right away. God's everywhere all the time, and he's watching me as I do it. Let's, let's, let's bow our heads and, and close in prayer, can we? Father, we thank you for this day, Daddy. We just love you, Lord. We praise your name, Lord. I pray that you would cause this message to hit home today, Lord. These words, Father God, to sink into our hearts, Lord, to sink into our minds, Father God. Lord, just cause us to have a, a zealous desire, Father God, to get after your word, Lord, to read your word, Daddy, to know your word, Lord, to know you, Father God. Lord, to, Lord, to just walk in your will, Lord, and live in your will, Lord, and take your, your will, Lord, and your, your, your words, Father God, and just apply them to our lives, Daddy. Lord, we pray this to you in Jesus' mighty name, Father God. Lord, I pray that we keep this church safe today, Father God. Keep us safe, Lord. Draw us near to you, Daddy. Bring us back at our next appointed time, Father God. Lord, I pray that you protect us spiritually, protect us physically, financially, Lord. Protect our marriages, Lord. Protect our relationships. Protect our children, Father God, and the schools in this town, Lord. Protect our government officials, Father God. Lord, show them who you are, Father God. We thank you for this, Daddy, and we praise you, Lord. I pray that this local body right here would begin to operate in your perfect will, Father God, seeking earnestly to desire what your perfect will is, Father God, for us and our lives, Lord, in our churches, Father God, in our family, Father God. We thank you for these things, Daddy, and we praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray these things, Daddy. Have your way on this day. Thank you, Daddy. 
Amen. We have a meeting for the greeters immediately following the service. You're going to do it right here? Yes. All right. Let's be right here in the front. <laughs>